You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. Hey, how's the offseason going so far for you? Man, it doesn't feel like much of an offseason. I mean, there's still lots of moves that are happening, still uh, lots of discussion, too. I mean, like just just take a look at the hashtag CFL on Twitter, and yeah. my word, there is still so much activity, so much discussion going on. I think football truly has become a 24-7, 365 sport in the sense that people are always either talking about it, watching it, participating in it, doing something with it. I mean, uh, yeah, I think this is the the world we live in now is that football is definitely a a year-round thing now, especially in the Canadian Football League. It's kind of like what the commissioner said. There, there are two. There may be the off season for football, but it is still what do you call it? Business season or or what, what? What the hell did he call it? <laughs> but it wasn't the off season, anyways. It, you know, there are basically there's basically uh, the off season for football, but then there's the yeah, it's business. He said something like that two years. I'm trying to remember what he said, but whatever. Um, but yeah, it's it it still continues. We got things coming up. I mean, uh, the lead up to the draft. We got. Um, the combine coming up. We've already had. I think the western ones can be happening. Uh, the the eastern ones is he is here in Montreal. I think that's probably one of the best moves. I think Cliff that the CFL ever did was to finally. It used to be just in one locale, right? It was only in Toronto or the surrounding area in Toronto, right? But then they made it east west, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember how long ago was that. Well, it's just uh, recently that they did decide to do uh, regional combines, yeah. which is that out west uh, here in the east in Montreal, and then culminating usually in toronto uh the past couple of years also too with the cfl week that's pretty much when they had the combine oh, yeah. was sort of capped that off but uh this year because there is no cfl week because of this supposedly because of the whole uh cfl cflpa negotiations and whatnot they've decided just to have the com- combine back in toronto ah so, so you have your regionals but then the actual main event so to speak will be in toronto this coming weekend okay Okay, I was wondering why there wasn't a CFL week. It's like, don't, don't you don't want to come out east? Or, you know, you're, you're you're treating the eastern teams like a redheaded stepchild again, just like you are in the Grey Cup. Hello, 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 Bueller. <laughs> yep, I mean they had their fun out in Regina and Winnipeg, but yeah, uh, yeah, when, yeah. when it comes screw to you, uh, screw you. Um, speaking of the combine uh, and a, another, um, not an adventure, but another initiative by the Alouettes. Uh, we were able to get uh, Jean-Gabriel Poulain on the uh, on the line tonight, and we will be listening to him uh, shortly with the interview that we had with him. Talked about a little bit about the uh, what they're doing with their uh, football initiative and uh, his experiences with the combine. Um, but more or less, we have what we want to talk about is our experiences because everybody else has talked about and and mentioned how with the Randy's road trip, like it was last year. Um, you know, for once, the Alouettes actually were near the end of the of the road trip instead of being first. I think it probably makes a little bit more sense because the way he did it last year, actually, no, because he was going to Edmonton actually after us mm-hmm. last week, and so it's it's a little weird. Um, but we wanted to talk about it, and obviously, the big news 
that has really been dominating Montreal football media is the are they or aren't they for sale? And that's where we can kind of introduce it within the uh, the chatter uh, from the uh, from Randy's road trip last Wednesday, and I thought it was very interesting. Um, first and foremost, uh, as you know, last Wednesday the commissioner was here. Uh, wanted to explain everything about his CFL 2.0. I think, and what I've liked from because Cliff, we've been able to hear and see how he's done some of it online because it's either been taped or it's been streamed or whatever. Because the one in BC was streamed on Facebook, and then there was the one in uh, Calgary that was streamed. I think um, it, it. He didn't. He used the same talking points, but I was happy to see that he actually did not say basically regurgitate the exact same spiel for every single city. He was able to. to change it up in, in enough that if you have listened to one it's not exactly what you heard in your in your particular city right no it, it's true and i think it's because the message he wants to get across uh, as far as uh, cfl 2.0 is concerned is to share like the whole global vision that he has for the canadian football league and every once in a while you can sort of tailor it to your audience which i completely get so especially too since uh, randy was basically explaining this to a vast majority of francophone people who mm-hmm. no doubt understand English and the ones that didn't quite, there was the, the helpful translation of uh, Pierre Verchevel, former Montreal Alouette and RDS uh, commentator. Mm-hmm. But the idea of ZFL 2.0, it's uh, to me something that I find very interesting and it, it's clear that the league is definitely going in a direction to make itself sort of go beyond the idea of being this humble little league that uh, is just, you know, is just there. Like, they want to become part of the conversation. They want to truly become something special in the eyes of not just Canada, but the entire world. And for Randy Ambrosi to be going out to these different countries and reaching out to these different football federations to try and work with them. That's the thing. It's not steal their talent or anything like that. It's to work with them to better not just the Canadian Football League, but also to better all these other leagues as well because – there's a real partnership that's going to be happening here. A lot of these players that definitely were flying under the radar in places like uh, Amsterdam, uh, in France, in Mexico, they're now going to be given a chance to get into the spotlight of the Canadian Football League and vice versa. Canadian players who are finishing university, rather than just sort of twiddling their thumbs and staying in shape, hoping that you know uh, uh, the next great opportunity will come along, they're going to be given a chance to go to these other nations and play football abroad and get that important experience as far as being out on the field and being in game time situations and really get those important reps that you need to become a better football player. Right. So that maybe two, three years time, maybe a CFL team will say, hey, I remember this kid. He played for this university. Now he's gone and he's dominated the Austrian Football League. Why don't we bring him in for a tryout? Why don't we get him on the roster and help develop, further develop, I should say, uh, another Canadian talent? I mean, and that's what the CFL is all about, right? It's trying to help foster and develop that Canadian talent. Right. Well, what better way to do so than let someone else sort of do the heavy lifting, so to speak? Like, let someone else help these kids uh, pay their dues and and learn, learn their way, get that football experience that they need. And then when they come to the CFL – they're game ready. They're ready to get that experience, and now they're they're ready to become a part of this league. So, to me, I, I see this completely as a win-win situation for everybody involved. 
And it, and I mean, these guys have played. I mean, it's you know, football has grown so much in Europe that there are actually some very good leagues, and I think that's one of the things that uh, Commissioner Ambrosi was trying to uh, get the point across is that you know we are reaching out, we're trying to get to to showcase some of their best talent, and if they're able to create a roster spot or at least bring them into camp, allow them to. You know, allow them to show basically how how good a player uh, that they actually are. So it's it's interesting. It it, it really is because I'm not. I, I I was you know all of a sudden when I heard he was going to place to place to place, I was kind of skeptical at first. But I'm like, I kind of understand why he's doing it because I'm sure there are a lot of Canadians and a lot of other foreign players that are out there that we really don't know about or may have not heard of. As you said, you know, they've they've gone off. They basically have dropped off the radar, and now's now's the chance that we might be able to. To see them play so it's i mean I, there are a ton of leagues but i think it really the, the it all comes down now to cliff and especially with the cba stuff that's going on now with the negotiations what's uh how will these how will these spots be created because um you know technically there is no you have your nationals and your internationals or whatever they're called now i think that's what they're called now <laughs> um yeah still internationals yeah. so it just depends on what what type of spot i mean a foreign See that 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 counts. That sounds global. There we go. Global sounds a hell of a lot better, actually. So I I don't know. It's well, let's see how it works. But this is basically you know see he's going for CFL 2.0. But what he's trying to do is uh, uh, foreign roster management 1.0. How I don't even think it's out of beta yet. I think it's still an alpha. So we'll have to see what happens <laughs> because this it's going to be a, a test, just a test alone when it comes to this type of thing, right? So and from their cliff, the you know the commissioner. I mean, I, I, again, I like what he said. Um, then, but I think that what we didn't mention. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to the minute. We'll get to the minute because it leads into into our, what we're talking about. The, the other thing about the LOS and the quote unquote sale. Uh, then the then the commissioner got into some questions, and I thought I think our Q and A session went went a little bit longer than it did last year. Um, of the questions that were asked, because I know you and I were talking before, and it took me a while for myself to get up there and ask my question because I wanted to make sure that I, I worded it correctly. What was your, what was, uh, out of all the questions that were asked, which one did you, stood out to you the most? Hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of the same typical questions about uh, just football in, in general itself. And unfortunately, you also get these uh, these folks that like to come up and just, get up and start talking for the sake of talking, which uh, God bless the commissioner, because I'm sure he gets this every single city he goes to is someone will come up and start talking about how they've been a long time season ticket holder and they've been disenfranchised with the team. And they feel that, uh, well, you're paying so much attention to the global aspect of things that you're not taking care of things here at home and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, those are the things that unfortunately they like, I get it. I completely get why the fans feel the way that, that why they feel that particular way. But at the same time, too, like there's a little part of me that's just like, you know, did 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 you not listen to any of this? Like, I mean, what the commission is trying to do is make this league better as a whole. I mean, it it seems kind of weird. Like, it's kind of a a different way of approaching it as opposed to trying to quote unquote make things better here at home. I mean, there's definitely a lot of talk, and a lot of people are really wanting uh, like the the U sports to be featured more and. Unfortunately, that's just not going to happen as long as uh, TSN is not the rights holder for the Vanier Cup. Right now, Sportsnet is, 
But apparently, and we just learned this as well during uh, the visit with the commissioner. Right. Apparently, TSN is looking to re reacquire the rights to uh, Canadian University football. Uh, now with uh, Sportsnet being a, pretty much the home of the NHL, that does leave TSN wide open to be the, the home of football, so to speak, which they've been doing with the NFL, the CFL, and so on. Uh, if they can find some sort of way, I know it's not easy because they're huge on the NCAA broadcasting those games, but if they can find a way to promote the Canadian game as well and get like a, even just do like one game a week of U sports football and get people excited and interested in it and then tied into the Grey Cup, like the Vanier, tried the Vanier Cup in with the Grey Cup again. I, that, I think that's really how you're going to grow things and that's how you're going to take care of things here at home, so to speak. Yeah. Um, what was the uh, of all the questions asked? What was the one that uh, the answer that he gave was the most surprising? Because I know he asked some questions himself, which we're going to get to in a, uh, in a second here. But um, any question in particular su- uh, surprise you, whether it be from the reaction to the crowd uh, to what the commissioner answered? I did kind of chuckle because there was one fan that, of course, talked about the, I guess for some people, the elephant in the room about the whole Johnny Manziel deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, commissioner did state that. Uh, He's very much on the uh, on the record as far as saying that uh, uh, Manziel had breached one of the conditions of being employed here in the CFL, and that was the reason why the, his contract was terminated. And basically, we'll just leave it at that. Obviously, with privacy laws, you can't get into a whole bunch of things. Uh, we're learning more and more as uh, other NFL insiders are able to sort of shed a little bit more light. And really what it came down to was man, it's, it is true in the sense that Manziel didn't complete certain things that he was supposed to right. to to remain employed in the Canadian Football League and with the Alouettes. And the league basically just washed their hands of him. That's that's really how it came across, and that seems to be the long and short of it. Uh, a couple of folks uh, were that same fo- – uh, fo- uh, that's <laughs> – let me try this again. That same fan did ask about uh, the possibility of uh, – Draft picks returning back to Montreal as as a result of the uh, the deal that went down to Hassab Manziel become a Montreal Alouette, and then the commissioner kind of next questioned it. Yeah, which I can't say I'm surprised about either because yeah, that that can open up a whole other uh, a whole other argument altogether. So <laughs> maybe it was probably just for the for the sake of moving things along. It was probably better that he just sort of he he answered it by not answering it. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I was, and, and no, this is not just to, to, to toot my question and my own horn, but I was actually uh, uh, happy to see the reaction to my first question, uh, which was, uh, I'm paraphrasing, I said, you know, the, the, the Alouette's football really does not have very many traditions, even in all the time that it's been here. And I mentioned to the commissioner that um, Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving Day game, was a tradition, as far as I was concerned, for Montreal Alouettes football. You know, it had been here for, for 13 consecutive years, uh, 16 out of the uh, 16 out of the 13. Is it 16? They've also done, yeah, 16 of them. Um, but, you know, it was gotten rid of this year because that was brought up was the, was the, by another fan, was the, the talk of the schedule and stuff like that. And the, the way I had phrased it by saying, I think that, you know, that the fans in Toronto and the fans in Calgary and Edmonton, and that's where the clapping started. I was like, whoa, 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 what, what, what? I was very surprised because, you know, because I was basically saying that how would those fans feel if you basically took away the Labor Day Classic? Because if you're going to a, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday 
schedule. I mean, you and I talked uh, about it afterwards. You basically, we basically know there's nothing at that time of the year. There's nothing on a Monday afternoons for Thanksgiving Monday. There's nothing. Nope. There's nothing on TV. And the commissioner asked, and my thought was this: if he were to get uh, Pierre Verschevel to uh, translate the question, that's when I knew it was a good question. Throughout the entire Q and A session, mm-hmm. if he translated it, it was a good question. It was, it was worth mentioning in French, also. To make sure it was understood. Right. Uh, just to paint the picture for folks that weren't there, uh, as I said, a, a lot of the evening was in English because obviously Randy Ambrosi is probably, he might know a little bit of French, but probably not enough to carry on a full conversation with everybody. Uh, but Pierre Verchevel of RDS was there to translate a lot of the things, but not everything was translated. Right. Not all the Q&A session or the Q&A session was translated. However, as Tim stated, uh, his question clearly was interesting enough that I guess uh, Ambrosi wanted the the entire uh, uh, town hall to hear what what was being asked, and so they he actually asked that uh, the question be translated in French so that people understand. And immediately when I saw people's reaction to it, like there's a lot of nodding and a lot mm-hmm. of agreement. So and then he yeah, asked, he, and then Commissioner Ambrosi asked for a vote. And I think it was almost 100% saying that should the Alouettes bring back the Thursday, uh, bring back the uh, Thanksgiving Day game. And I think mm-hmm. that I just glanced over, and I, I could be wrong. But I don't know if you saw the same thing. It looks like uh, from, uh, from, uh, from President Boivin, it looked like he gave a good reaction also based off the question and based off the actual answer that the fans gave. Well, as our as friend of the show, uh, David Sanchez, likes to say, uh, men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. Yeah. And there was a lot of hands that went up in the air when that question was posed. And uh, I, I sincerely hope that uh, Patrick Fauve and the rest of the Alouettes organization that was there, I really hope they took note of that and they, they remember because when the 2020 schedule comes out, I'm, I guarantee that's what everybody's going to be looking for now is will the Alouettes have their traditional Thanksgiving Day game? And I sincerely hope they do because you're absolutely right. We don't have a whole lot of traditions here in Montreal. Yeah, we don't have we but, don't have a Canada Day game. We do not have a, a Labor Day uh, classic opponent. Uh, even if even if uh, the you know the Schooners come in, it really won't be the same thing. But to me, Thanksgiving has always been our tradition for the CFL. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I sincerely hope that this year was just a little blip on the radar, that this is one of those things that just kind of happened and it won't happen again. Exactly. So let's, I mean, it shows that, that you can have Monday games in a basically in a Thursday, Friday, Saturday schedule, but you can't have the games. I mean, they, they per, were trying to promote it so much last year that they had two games on, th- on Thanksgiving Monday. Mm-hmm. So even if it's just a single game, I, I am, am here in, uh, imploring again to the Alouettes organization to, to the CFL, bring back our tradition in Montreal of Thanksgiving Monday CFL football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Let's, let's hold off for a second. Let's get to our interview um, with uh, Jean-Gabriel Poulin, and we will continue with our conversation because it leads into what we wanted to talk about with this whole thing with the media as of late. And it was also mentioned at the... Uh, at the town hall to start it off. And that's what, that's what surprised me the most. But let's get to the interview. Uh, and when we come back, we will uh, finish up the show uh, and uh, we'll take it from there. Well, every year the Alouettes try to get out into the uh, co- the community in Quebec as much as possible to, to promote not only the Alouettes, but also the game of football itself. 
And this year, the Alouettes have uh, continued with their uh, ultimate football tours presented by Subway. And we wanted to speak with one of the gentlemen who's in, uh, who is joining the tour this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is the linebacker for the Montreal Alouettes, Jean Gabriel Boulet. Welcome, Jean Gabriel. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm very good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Now, as you as you know, that the Alouettes try to get out into the community as much as possible. Mm-hmm. In the past, they've had um, they had their ad- adopt an Alouette program, and they've had some others over mm-hmm. the past while well, uh, since uh, you know twenty plus years that the Alouettes have been here. But yep. uh, try to explain to the fans and to those around the CFL who may be listening uh, what it is that the Alouettes are trying to do uh, when it comes to uh, this new program. Um, with the Ultimate Football Program, really, what we're trying to do is just to uh, share our passion with the kids and kind of um, give them a, a brief um, taste of what football is like. You know, catching, running, throwing, um, just basic movements for that that are involved in football. So, um, for us, that, that's the main goal of it, and um, it's a good opportunity for us, like I said, to just share it. Uh, that's that's what we do for a living. That's what we love to do. So, for us to just go out there and kind of share that passion with the kids and 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 show them. Um, like give them basic skills and, and training on, on football and hopefully uh, make them fall in love with the sport like, like, we, like we did when we were young. What's it like going across Quebec to, to see how, how, the, the, how players, how, how they are today? Because, um, you know, before the Alouettes came to Montreal back in 96, you know, football, mm-hmm. Quebec really was not known for football. But yep. since then... You've had the emergence of the of the French universities, who have been very popular and very strong yep. in youth sport. Uh, what have you seen from some of the uh, from some of the kids that you've seen so far? Um, honestly, it's been uh, overwhelming a little bit. The, the uh, how much the kids uh, love it and uh, the, the response from them. You know, we we just see big smiles on their face, and it kind of shows that our our sports is uh, our sport is very healthy right now in the province and uh, wherever we go. Um, kids know about the Alouettes. They all have gear, and they want they want to get to to know us and talk with us and, and kind of they're very curious so I think it, it's a good sign for, for football in Quebec just in general like you said over the past few years it, it's been getting better but um, it, it, it it definitely feels very strong at the moment um, so Besides the city of Montreal you guys are on as I said a cross Quebec tour uh, what are the stops that you and the other uh, your Alouette teammates are, are going to the uh, these next um, couple of days? Yeah so basically we were doing two tours over the winter we did one in February where we went to Sherbrooke to uh, the South Shore of Quebec, we did uh, Beauce, which is uh, south close to the border. We did uh, Sherbrooke, uh, yeah, I said Sherbrooke. We did um, uh, Rimouski, and then we went to uh, Drummondville. And now on this tour, we're doing three days in Quebec City, and then we're going up uh, to uh, Chicoutimi and Alma in, uh, in a few days. Hey, that's nice. Now, of everybody, mm-hmm. that, of all the players that you that have come with you on this tour, uh, which one do you think, besides yourself, is having uh, having as much fun as you are when it comes to this? Oh, we're all having a lot of fun. I don't think I can pinpoint uh, one guy in particular. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, Boris and Mar and Martin are, are two uh, amazing guys to do this trip with. So we're having a we're having a lot of fun, and, and it just makes it um, creates a, a tight bond between all of us. So it's good. Cliff, okay, uh, we're going to switch gears for a second here, uh, Jean Gabriel. Uh, mm-hmm. The CFL Combine is this weekend. Uh, yep. As far as I'm concerned, it was your performance last year at the Combine that really made people, I think, sit up and take notice of you. I mean, despite being a Vanier Cup champion, mm-hmm. I think your your performance at the Combine last year really stood out. Could you just kind of walk us a little bit through the Combine experience and what the uh, what any fans that are going to be tuning into the webcast and anything like that, what can they expect to see? And uh, just share some of your thoughts really quick on it. 
Um, the combine is, is honestly an amazing experience because you get to, uh, as, a, as an athlete, all you want to do is compete all the time. And, and that, that, that's why you do what you do. So uh, going in the combine and, and having a chance to compete against the best of the best in Canada, the best Canadians there's available, it's truly a, a great experience. It's very humbling. Uh, you get to meet a lot of great guys that have great work ethic um, that you've never really have a chance to, to get to know before. So no, it, it, it's a really good experience. Uh, I'm excited. Some of my best friends are going this year, so I'm really excited for them. Uh, combine is a really, really cool experience. Okay. And if, in, if there's any prospective draft uh, draft players that are going to be listening to this per chance, uh, what would be the best advice you could offer them as far as their combine weekend goes? Uh, well, it, I know it's hard to do, but it's really to enjoy it. You know, if you've done the preparation and you've been working hard, uh, the combine itself shouldn't be that stressful because you've been putting in the work. So it's really just to, to take the time to, to soak it in and, and live it fully. Because sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the whole stress of it all and, and kind of it just flies by and you don't really appreciate the experience. So uh, I think it's just to settle down and, and trust your preparation and, and enjoy the moment and get to know the, the guys around you and, and be able to, to showcase who you really are uh, by lowering, lowering the, the stress level. Oh, terrific. Okay, well, Jean-Gab, we know that you're a little pressed for time. Uh, we definitely appreciate you uh, joining us for this. Uh, we'd love to have you back on the flight deck uh, and talk a little bit more about your uh, your time with the Alouettes and that, but uh, we're going to let you get back to your, uh, your duties as part of the uh, Ultimate Football Tour. Uh, thank you again so much for joining us, and uh, what's the best way that people can find you on social media? Um, I guess just on Instagram, uh, just my name is over there, but thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it, and uh, yeah, anytime. All right. Well, greatly appreciate well, thank you so it. much. Thank you very much. Thanks. Well, it is one of our shortest interviews, but we got a lot out of that six minutes. I want to thank uh, Jean Gabriel for joining us. We know he's on the road. He's doing the uh, the the Alouettes um, football initiative in Quebec, and uh, we want to thank him for for taking the time to joining us. And uh, we hope to have him back on the show where we can talk a little bit more about Alouettes football. Right. Absolutely. And uh, folks, by all means, if you have a chance to go check this out, if this is happening in your area, if you're in, no matter where it is in Quebec, if you have a chance to go and, and be a part of this, if you're, if you've got kids and they, you want to get them excited about football, this is a great way to do it. I mean, who better to learn the game of football from than actual football players? I mean, my goodness, this is, this is such a cool initiative that the Alouettes are, have been doing for quite some time now. And by all means, if you if you have a chance, go check it out because it definitely looks like an amazing thing. I I keep thinking about this, and you know, down in the states, the NFL has that Play Sixty yes. initiative that they have that gets it's supposed to get kids active and get them moving around and make them you know make them enjoy physical activity. Well, to me, this is very similar as far as I'm concerned, and this is a, a great way to get the Alouette's name out there, not just in Montreal, but basically throughout all of Quebec, because this is, we're kind of like the riders in the sense that there's only one team in the province. So this is a provincial team. And that's how you got to look at it. Yes, it's the Montreal Alouettes, not the Quebec Alouettes. But as far as I'm concerned, like the Alouettes belong to all of Quebec. So why not share the team, the players, everything yeah. Yeah. with all of Quebec? Yeah, so this, this is a great way to do it and a great way to get kids excited and thinking about the football season. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, the other elephant in the room. Uh, leading up to the town hall, there was a whole thing on. on uh, first, I think there was something by uh, by Herb Tchaikovsky of the Gazette. Then there was uh, Didier. Uh, he said something uh, on RDS. Uh, then stuff came out from TVA, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and what was funny is that we had not heard, really heard anything from, from the, the team 
So it's a little bit of weird information in an interview with the commissioner on the radio, which seemed to be a little not it's not suspect, but it was it something not an answer non answer type of thing. Uh, but um, Patrick Boimas starts off the town hall, I think, and I, I I don't know if it surprised you or not, but basically giving a statement uh, to paraphrase that uh, the team's not for sale. Mm-hmm. Did that surprise you? I mean, he the Alouettes were not going to comment. And this was an open, this was a comment. You knew that anybody was there, this was going to get out to the media. I know you tweeted it. I, I, I think some of the other, um, I think some of the other outlets picked it up too in some way, shape or form. But uh, did it surprise you that he started it off like that? Not really. I kind of expected him to kind of get out in front of it because I'm sure with it being a town hall meeting, Q&A, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people were going to be asking the question right off the hop. And I think you're probably better off just to get in front of it right away and just say, listen, this is what's going on. We're aware that this is what's being talked about, but here's our official stance on it. And whether it's true or not, I mean, again, it's you can speculate that all you want. I mean, if the Alouettes say they're not for sale, then they're not for sale. But like anything else in life, if you offer someone – if you want something and you offer them enough money, they just may let you have it. So – it could be one of those – to me, I, that's what it felt like was that Patrick Boivin was just kind of trying to fan the flames a little bit, like just trying to you know keep keep things from going getting out of control. Because like God forbid this this event turns into a, a complete cluster fudge and it just becomes solely about the Alouettes, whether they're on for sale and all sorts of other things. So yeah. I, I think he was better off just to get in front of it right away, say what he had to say, and then – it's been dealt with. Now let's focus on what we're actually here for, which is to hear from the commissioner. That's fair, but but you have to admit it really did not. It didn't. It didn't put out the flames. We, I mean, we've been saying there's smoke, but the thing is, how much fire is there? Because more reports came out, and we wanted to talk about the the interview that was on 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 uh, on TSN six ninety yesterday. Um, my opinion is this, and it may be it may be right in in a, in a little bit of way, or maybe just completely wrong, but. So the Alouettes, Cliff, say that they are not for sale, which may be true, but it doesn't mean you can still not be for sale and still be looking for partner. Mm-hmm. That's my thought, because, again, it's playing with words a little bit, but yes, the team may not be for sale, but we happen to be looking for some other partners. So what they're saying technically is correct by saying that they're not for sale. Right. Because at the end of the day, this team is still owned by the Wettenhall family. And if they don't want to sell it, then they're not obligated to. Uh, I know that pisses off a lot of folks because I think a lot of people, and rightly so, blame the Wettenhall family for the Alouette's recent woes. Because, I mean, let's be honest, if, if you're not happy with Kavis Reed as general manager, well, Kavis didn't make himself general manager. He was hired by the Wettenhall family. If you're not happy with... Uh, the poor record that's on the field. Well, again, that goes back to the general manager and the coaching staff, but who hired these people? Because again, they did not hire themselves back to ownership. Right. I mean, if you're going to lay blame to somebody as to the, like the, the, what's the word I'm looking for for all, all the bad stuff that's been happening the past four or five years with Yellowettes, there's been one common denominator and it's been ownership. I, I, I'm not, I'm not here to slag anybody for it, but I mean, that's the reality is that ownership's the one that made the decisions that put the certain people in place that are running the organization. And if you're not happy with how the organization is being run, well, 
that would be logically the first place to look. So yeah. I can understand why a lot of fans would are going to say things like sell the team, sell the team, time for new owners, time to put ownership back into the hands of local interests, so on and so forth. I mean, the Wettenhall family has been a, a fantastic ownership group for the most part. The past couple of years have not been kind to the Alouettes and their fan base. I 100% agree with that. But would new ownership make it make that change? Would that solve all the problems instantly? No. It, it, no, it, it really wouldn't. I mean, uh, just listening to that interview on TSN 690 with Eric LaPointe, whose name has been attached to a potential group that may be interested in buying the Alouettes. Yeah, as far back uh, as five days ago by Farhan Lounge. So it's... I think Farhan said it, uh, did it, I don't know, DJ did not, but it was brought up by some other people. But anyways, continue, sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, well, you got these people talking about it, and now there's an actual name, like an actual name behind it. Like, people know who Eric Lapointe is. I mean, yes, he's a former Alouette who had a, a very solid career here in Montreal, but he's also, in his post-football career, really developed into a, a very successful business person. Uh, he's very well connected in Quebec, uh, people mention him, and it's not just because he's a former Alouette. It's because he knows what he's doing. So, understandably, the uh, the idea of putting ownership back to the hands of uh, a Quebec-based group and in the hands of Quebecers again, uh, that would definitely get a lot of people excited. That would definitely give people hope that maybe things will change, especially Eric is a football guy too. Yeah. Like he's not a – like he wouldn't be a traditional uh, an owner in the traditional sense. Like he definitely knows football for sure. Uh, but would he? Would people trust him to make those right decisions as well, or would he know enough to hire the right people, or would he just keep the current regime that's in place right now and hope that everything will fix itself? I mean, these are these are some of the questions that'll have to be answered. And, only time's going to be able to answer those questions, I but thought, uh, yeah, I it, thought, it, it gets people talking at least. So. Oh, for sure. And by the way, uh, head over to, to Joey Alfieri's um, uh, Twitter uh, account. It's at Joey Alfieri, and, and he has a link there to the actual uh, um, interview on TSN 690 if you haven't listened to it yet. Uh, I thought it was very interesting how candid he was. I mean, he <laughs> he didn't hold back at well, I, all. He, again, he— well, and again, he's not part of the Alouettes. Yes, he's a former Alouette, but he's not beholden to them in any no, way. Like but he can, he, but for a guy, if if it is true that he is part of a group that it wants to become part owner, owner, part owner, uh, an investor. If he wants to become an investor in the Alouettes, you would think that you. I mean, you would think that you, sometimes you have to bite your tongue. Eric did not bite his tongue, dude. He he he. He really went hard on the Alouettes from from how the team's been playing to where their current location is. And, and you know, uh, uniforms are nice, but I wouldn't have spent the money. I'm like, I was like, holy crap. He didn't hold back. He did not. No, he sometimes, uh, he, sometimes you have to you have to be a little business like. But I guess uh, it is what it is. Right. Well, and, and maybe that's part of the strategy, too, is that you know, he really wants to challenge the idea, like challenge the the, cur- the current regime, so to speak. Maybe that's his idea like, to get people on his side is to say, hey, listen, Yellowwets have been terrible for so long and this sucks and everything like that. And, well, now you get people you know, at least picking up their ears and like, oh, whoa, what, what, what's he talking about? Yeah. And then what, maybe starts thinking a little bit more, more than just the fact that, oh, this team's a dumpster fire. Well, okay, <laughs> why is this team a dumpster fire? And what's Eric LaPointe going to do to put out the dumpster fire? And if he comes out across with some 
some new ideas, some new initiative, something that's clearly not the status quo, then yeah, I think a lot of people are going to sit up and notice and like, oh, okay, well, now you got my attention. What uh, what are you going to do to fix the Alouettes? Because he said it. He said, I can. I think I can fix this team. I or not even think he's he's fairly confident he can fix what's wrong with the Alouettes. So yeah. it, again, it gets people talking. It gets 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 the juices flowing. People are now really curious to see what uh, what potentially he could do if he was given the chance to become an investor or owner or what have you of the Montreal Alouettes. What um, uh, I'll I'll answer first, but I'm gonna pose the question of everything that he said. In his interview, what was the one thing that you did not agree with? And and I'll, I said I'll answer first. For for me, it was his comment where we, uh, the, the basically the Alouettes missed an opportunity to um, share a stadium with the Impact. Uh, I completely one hundred percent disagree with that. Uh, I think the Alouettes need to have their own identity because I I kind of feel that the Argos really do not have their own identity because they're playing at a BMO field. I understand that it's the ownership that they're under, and it was the best thing to do rather than playing it over at Rogers Center. Um, but I think the Alouettes have their own little niche when it comes to where they play. Playing on the mountain and the expansion that they did, the upgrades. I saw something the other day saying, that it, you know, Molson's old and decrepit. It's been refurbished. Yes, it's a 100-year-old stadium, but it's been refurbished, and it's up to today's specs. It's a smaller stadium, yes. But I think that's what that's part of what gives Montreal Alouettes football the character is the home that we're in. Playing out of BMO Field, uh, sorry, playing out playing out of Saputo Stadium, no, no. I would hate going out. I'd hate going out to the East End. I hated going out to the East End for football because the Big O is horrible. But I would hate it hated to go out there for football also uh, if it were it had been outside. I think one of the few things that they need to do is stay at McGill. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree. I definitely agree that playing at personal Molson stadium is part of the Alouette's identity. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what the uh, point was trying to get across though, was that the team doesn't have any assets of its own. Like they don't own the stadium there. They don't own Olympic stadium. They don't like they're renting a lot of their their spaces, as yeah, opposed to owning a lot of their spaces. Such a good deal, though, at Molson. Come on, with all the stuff that they have, all the all the uh, upgrades that they did for that stadium. Come on. Oh, I'm sure they are, but let's not forget though. It's still not. I mean, for God's sakes, you can't even put the Alouettes logo at center at, at, at the middle of the field at the 55 it, yard that's, line. That's fair. I know some of the other stadiums you've been able to do that, like in Winnipeg, and but it's just like, coming to a. To a like happy, happy medium. Right. I, I get that. But at the same time, it still feels like you're playing in McGill Stadium because it is McGill's stadium. Like it doesn't feel like the home of the Alouettes other than like once once the game is going on. Yes, you're inside the Alouettes nest, but it's still not their home. Like it's still like you couldn't go there and be like there, like there's no team store there. There's no uh, there's no anything really like uh, again, all the the signs and the flags and everything that you see, that's only for the game day. Like it's not a 24 seven home, so to speak. So I think this is, that's kind of the point he was getting at was that the Elwets don't have that. And that's what he'd like to have. Like, like they don't practice at uh, Molson stadium. They don't uh, uh, like, they have no ownership stake in any of that. Yeah. No locker rooms, no nothing. I, I get that. That's why it's very interesting to hear that they're thinking of having 
training camp if it is ever announced if they are going to train in camp over at Percival Molson. By the way, you notice how they got away from that? You talk about having their own identity. You know how how it was saying that it's McGill's, you know, McGill Stadium and they were calling it McGill Stadium at one point, I think it was a couple of years ago. They've gone mm-hmm. back to calling it Percival Molson Stadium. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, uh I I I'm trying to I think really that's the only thing that that stood out to me the most. I was surprised at how he talked about the team, uh, considering that he would want to be a, an investor. Um, but that's one of the few things you, as you, as you said, it's part of their brand. It's part of their identity. It's, it's kind of goes hand in hand to what the Alloys are doing now with their new logo and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it's, 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 it's Montreal's basically. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like hashtag Montreal's. At least one thing we can say though, with, with an Eric LaPointe making these kind of comments, it's not like it's just some clown with a bunch of money that just thinks he can solve everything by throwing wads of cash at it. Like, He's lived it. He's been a part of that experience. Like he has played in that stadium, and he knows what football is all about to Montreal. So, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, use, I, the, I'll use the the, the Michael Gilfand uh, reference again, <laughs> and Jim Spiros. I'll use that. I'll use those the, that reference once again. The people who don't who didn't know specifically when it came to owner bad ownership. So, yeah, it's very interesting. As I said, this fire's not out. There's smoke. It's it's. It's still going, dude. Yeah, it's not billowing out of control, but I mean, it's you can smell it, you can you can feel it, you can you can see it in the air. Mm-hmm. It's there's definitely smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, we don't know how big of a fire is underneath it yet. I mean, that's only again, we're only going to find this out as the the weeks and months go by. But uh, as you said, there there's definitely a lot of smoke, and as they say, where where there is smoke, there is usually fire. Yeah. And lastly, this episode, oh, if we if we left without talking about this, it, it wouldn't be right. But it's you know, as everybody knows, the CFLPA negotiations uh, with the CFL have started. Um, there is stuff that is coming out, and some reports. And the, the one of the bigger reports that that came out recently that really has stirred the pot uh, is the idea of, and I think they put it on Commissioner Ambrosi specifically, where they were thinking of changing the cap. When it, especially when it came to Canadians, and it it blew up, Cliff. It mm. really did. So you know, media, social media just exploded because everybody's thinking, you know, this is the Canadian Football League. You take away even two starters of the current, you know, whatever the current ratio is, then you are a lip. They people are saying you're eliminating jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's what's your take on this? Um, on on what has what has come out to uh, to the masses? Well, and that's the thing is uh, you've got to have seven starting Canadians right now in your lineup uh, on on game day. And now the the talk. And again, no one's saying this is going to happen. This is just something that's been discussed. Mm-hmm. It's something that's just been brought up. By both sides and just, this, I guess, sort of gauge interest and see where people like both uh, players and owners, how they feel about this is to possibly knock down the number from seven starting Canadians to five. And naturally, that's going to trigger all sorts of talk because, yeah, this is supposed to be the Canadian Football League. And, you know, you're, you're not giving Canadians a chance to play. How are you going to help them develop and so on and so forth? And. You, you're even seeing players, actual CFL players, debating it. Like, And again, depending on which country you come from, because the American players, they see the benefit of having a, the opportunity to play some more, uh, maybe even get paid a little bit more, because, again, Canadian players are going to be paid a lot better than their American counterparts. Yeah. 
Uh, you got Canadian players that are defending this because this is their again. It's their league in the sense that they were born in Canada. They most of them have played football in Canada, and they don't want to lose any of that identity. I mean, my gosh! I mean, this thing is really this has really become a very hot button topic for fans, for players, for the talking heads in the media, Uh, everybody, everybody is talking about this and it's really remarkable. Um, For me, I'm a bit of a traditionalist in the sense that I wouldn't want to see any sort of rule changes that are going to affect what makes this the Canadian football league. But the more I think about it, what makes this the Canadian football league isn't just the players. I mean, they're, they're a huge, huge part of it. But I think what makes this league so unique is the, the the certain nuances that this game has and the atmosphere that comes on game day and the fans that come in and mm-hmm. the great cup mm-hmm. and how this it becomes just one big drunken party at the end of November. I mean, those are the things that that's what makes the Canadian football league. It's not necessarily the players on the field. Yes. You got to have Canadian players. Otherwise then it just becomes yet another football league. And that's not going to change anytime soon. I, this is very much still going to be a Canadian based game. And I, I want to see the best possible players and I want to see players grow and become better. And a, a lot of it speaks to just the, the, the amount of training and how many players actually play for Canadian universities versus Canadian born players that go down to the States, get their training there and come up here and become superstars. Or you get the Ben Cahoon situation where you're Canadian, but you're not Canadian, and that just muddies the waters even a little bit more. Yeah, even even that was brought up with with the town hall too, and I think they're trying to look at at, at how to rectify that if possible. I think one of the best things to, that I, I love about the CFL and uh, and how some people are able to, to to put out a statement that means so much and it says it so well, Cliff. Uh, one about this particular thing came from Travis Lule, uh, you know, for, uh, former CFL player, uh, just decided to retire. Uh, this is what he put on Twitter. He put, the CFL needs American players. The CFL needs Canadian players. Both are true to the success of our league. The current CFLPA leadership understands the importance of fighting for the rights of all members and growing the game. Ratio talks are necessary, not taboo, deep breaths you couldn't put it any any better way i I think it's incredibly ironic that for someone who doesn't have a soul those are some very soulful words (laughs) yes he is a ginger but (laughs) (laughs) and an american but but and an american but yet you can tell how much he loves the game well and again this this league has been very good to travis lule and to so many players and i think a lot of them really understand that Okay, it's not just because the NFL – it's not about you are not good enough for the NFL. It just comes down to your skill set worked better in the CFL. And I think once an American player gets that and realizes that, hey, I can still make a very good career here. I may not make millions and millions of dollars. I may not have all these crazy endorsement deals, but I still want to play football. And, yeah, the the rules are a little bit different, and there's a couple of little weird things that uh, I never saw growing up in the States, but – Man, this is a pretty exciting brand of football that not everybody can play, <coughs> Manziel. But this is a, a league where I can grow and flourish. And guys like Lule, they get it. Guys like Mike Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, like these are American players that came in, adapted the Canadian game, yeah. and are thriving as a result. Yeah. And I would say to any player that comes up to this league and wants to become a superstar, the opportunity is there, regardless of what your passport says. But 
letting something like the rules and the ratio and things like that, if you let that get into your head, then you've already lost as far as I'm concerned. At the end of the day, talent's going to win out. Uh, Talented Canadian is going to do better financially and otherwise and be given more opportunities than a talented American. I agree 100%, but that's what makes it the Canadian Football League. At the end of the day, though, talent will win out. So, I mean, if you get the chance to go out and shine, then that's all you got to worry about. Don't worry about the ratio. Don't worry about starting Canadians. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Just be the best possible player you can be, and it'll things will take care of themselves. Yeah, and I said it's early. Uh, you know, the league's taking it one way about when it comes to the negotiations. The PA seems to be taking it another way, completely different and wanting to. But that, that's, you know. That's that's negotiations, dude. Sometimes the information has to get out there so that the so that the you know so the hearsay and the blah 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 is not you know they get the information out that they want to, and whether the league the league says it the exact same way or they or they say nothing at all, then it is what it is. It is mm-hmm. what it is. So don't forget uh, that we are on social media. There are multiple places where you can find us. Best place to find us is over on Twitter. And that is at Alouette's FL Deck. You can also find us over at our Facebook page. It's at, look, just search for Alouette's Flight Deck. If you want to find all of the uh, episodes uh, that we have done so far and the more than 10,000 downloads on our main site over at alouettesflightdeck.ca, by the way, thanks to everybody. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can do so, as I said, at alouettesflightdeck.ca, or there are other places too. Uh, there is over at uh, um, Google Play Music. There is at uh, Apple Podcasts. There is at Stitcher. And then there is at Spotify. So, Cliff, what are you going to do um, post your post week now, now that uh, uh, St. Patty's Day is over? Anything planned? Well, we got the combine coming up, as we talked about with uh, Jean Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, folks, I. I, I, I'm sure a lot of you don't know who to to go for, who whose names to be taking a, a look at. But you know what? If you want to see the best possible talent that's out there for the the Canadian Football League, this is the this is where you're going to find those future stars. Uh, by all means, uh, I think CFL.ca is going to be sharing sharing a webcast of the uh, the various events. Mm-hmm. By all means, check it out. I mean, it's uh, this again. This is where I discovered. Jean-Gabriel Poulet was watching the the webcast because he was out at CFL week, went to the combine and he put on a monster performance. And to me, like, like I, I said to myself at the time, like I didn't know where he was going to go. And like, just, just because he's a French guy doesn't mean I'm going to, I'm actually assuming he's going to go to the Alouettes because a lot of the other teams now are starting to draft a, players out of Quebec because Quebec is producing some really great football talent. Yeah. Uh, Jean-Gabriel is no exception. And I remember watching just everything, all the drills that he did and everything. I thought, whoa, this is a guy I want. I would love to see in Montreal. So you, you have no idea how happy I was when on draft day, the Alouettes selected him in the third round. So, but again, it all started by watching these, these kids on the com in the combine, watching what they do, watching the drills that they go through and seeing, okay, could the Alouettes use a player like this? And, Again, some areas the Alouettes don't really need a whole lot of help in. Some areas they do. Or it really comes down to restocking the war chest, like making sure because you never have too many good offensive linemen, first right. and foremost. Right. Um, so many, uh, I, I think the defensive line needs talented Canadians there. Uh, defensive backs, I mean, there's so many, so many good, talented Canadians in that position as well. I mean, 
so it really does come to it's it's to me it's part of the fun is okay who are the alouettes going to select out of all these potential studs who are the alouettes going to invite to join their ranks mm. and to me that's what i love about the combine is finding out who's who's got it who's going to be bench pressing the most who's going to be running the fastest like those are important things too but i mean the you take the entire weekend as a whole and just see what these guys, these young men can do and to see, can any of them help the Alouettes? That's what I look for first and foremost. And no matter what, whatever fan of whatever team you're a fan of and you're watching the comment, that's what you should be asking yourself is, could this kid help my football team be better? And the only way you're going to find out is check it out, check out the webcast, uh, I guarantee uh, a lot of very intelligent football people are going to be participating in it, commenting on it. Uh, you're going to see a lot of reports on some of these kids. Soak it all in, folks, because in, until draft time, like, like this is the only way you're going to learn who's going to be the future of the Canadian Football League. And there's just no better way, as far as I'm concerned, to learn more about this game, learn more about what each team needs than to take part in the whole combine experience. So by all means, folks, uh, check it out this weekend. Like I said, CFL.ca should be showing a webcast of it. Uh, I'm not sure of the times yet, but uh, definitely check it out if you get the chance. Cool. Um, we will. Hey, we've been doing pretty good once every two weeks or so. If something major comes up, uh, you can expect us, uh, Cliff and I, to have a show uh, in the can and uh, ready for you to listen to. So uh, stay tuned to either his, uh, to the uh, uh, Alouette's Flight Deck uh, social media or to Cliff's or to mine, and we'll uh, we'll make sure that we let you know when we're going to be on, uh, going to be broadcasting next. So, Cliff, I will talk to you soon, sir. Hope you have a very good one. To you as well. So, everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on final approach. Take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off to the great white north. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.